0: Today we are looking at this idea of crowning the king, that is Jesus Christ. And as we begin to look at our passages today, I'm going to need to provide a little bit of backstory. And I'm feeling quite ambitious this morning as I go through the sermon, meaning that I've got a lot in there. And uh, if I lose you along the way, that's on me. Uh, don't worry. We'll make sure to pick up a few points there. So if you somehow go, I have no idea what you. We'll, we'll we'll get there. Uh, but a little bit of our backstory is the idea of heaven and earth. And as the world begins, heaven and earth are together and they're one. You can't separate the two. It is what we see with G- with God in the story of Genesis as He creates all things and God walks among the people. Heaven and earth are one. But something intervenes which separates these two things. That's what we know as sin. Sin enters the world. And as sin enters the world, it separates God from people. It separates heaven from earth. And we are left not with a heaven and earth as one thing, but a heaven which is separated from the earth. It is as we see God separated from God's creation. This is the result of sin. As we go through today's message, we'll be talking about this separation between heaven and earth. But we are also talking about these two being brought back together through the work of Jesus Christ. And through the work of Jesus Christ, we will have what the scriptures call the new heaven and the new earth. And these two are once again reunited. In fact, if we were to think of the Bible as a narrative story, telling a story from beginning to end, This would be the theme that carries us through the reunification of heaven and earth, the putting those two back together. You see, because in the first couple of chapters of our Bible story, they're split apart. And then we see a long plan over the course of thousands of years as God works through God's people, culminating in the work of Jesus Christ. The plan for putting these two back together has been put in place. But now we find ourselves living today in the here and now, in the midst of God's story that we see in the Scriptures. And here and now, that hasn't happened yet. But we look forward to the moment that it will. Our first passage today is going to come out of 2 Samuel chapter 23. These are David's final words. And so David is this great king who leads the people. He is a thousand years before Jesus. He's quite in a whole different time period. But David, who has been a man who is described as being after God's own heart, as these final words, his deathbed confession, we find here. And we'll be reading part of that during today's sermon. And I'm going to be reading, and there is within your worship guide, there is an insert that has today's scripture passages on there. And so I'm actually reading right from that uh, paper. So if you want to follow along with me, you're able to do so there. And also, if you're just better listening, then, then just listen. However you can understand the words better, do that for you. So I'm reading from 2 Samuel, beginning chapters 23, verse 1. These are the last words of David. The inspired utterance of David, son of Jesse. The utterance of a man exalted by the Most High. The man anointed by the God of Jacob. The hero of Israel's songs. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me When one rules over people in righteousness, when he rules in fear of God, he is like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after rain that brings grass from the earth. If my house were not right with God, surely he would not have made with me an everlasting covenant, arranged and secured in every part. Surely he would not bring to fruition my salvation and grant me my every desire." As we look at David's last words, we're gonna look at a couple of things that he speaks of here. And the very first thing that we are going to see is that the stairway to heaven goes down. Remember, we're talking about the separation between heaven and earth. And if you want to go and be a part of that heavenly kingdom that God has established, you don't go up the stairs, you go down. What do I mean by that? Well, we see in verse one of this passage that David explains that he has been exalted by the Most High. He's been lifted up by God. He didn't lift himself up. God was the one who lifted him up. We also see that he's been anointed. That means set apart by God. And we see that in verse three, the Spirit of the Lord spoke through him, and God's word was on David's tongue. The common theme running through all of these is that these are God's power, not David. In other words, David hasn't been able by his own gifts and abilities and personal charisma to exalt himself into this great person of God. No, oh. God's power working through him who lifts him Huh. we find that God is the one who boosts us, we cannot boost ourselves. And now you're thinking, oh, David, but he's like the king, he's got this huge empire, he's a huge warrior. What kind of humility does that man have? Well, if you were to look through the story of David that we have in the scriptures, oh, we find David being In fact, you might not remember, but David emerges on the scene as the prophet Samuel comes to anoint a king. So there is going to be a new king in the land, and they know it's going to be from this particular family. So this great man Samuel comes, and he's going to say, hey, you're going to be the next king. And so as David's father there is waiting for Samuel, he begins to bring out his sons. And these are some, you know, nice-looking young men. These look, a couple of these guys look like good candidates. Samuel goes through each one of those guys and says, that's not God's. That's not the one for God. That's not the one God's picking out. And all of Jesse's, that's David's father's, sons have come through. And there seems to be this moment of like, Samuel's like, God says I should be doing one of your sons, and none of these guys are it. And then David's father, Jeff, he's like, well, we got one more. We didn't even think to bring him in. He's the youngest. He's out in the fields. How do we go get him? Of course, that's the one that God picks out. So imagine that. That's, that's what David grew up in. David's father knew one of his sons was going to be king. He has eight sons. He sent seven before Samuel. One he didn't send was David. You might know a little bit about humility. And in fact, we find David, as he's anointed king, pretty much after he's anointed king, just goes back to work doing what he was before. And finally, he begins to emerge in power. And as he has emerged in power, you know what he is leading? He's leading a group of men who are described as distressed, indebted, and discontent. That's what David is king of. A group of people who aren't working out in society. David is leading those men. Oh, David might know a little bit about something of humility. Because the great man that he would become rooted in the experience God brought him low. One of the things that we also see that David is indeed a good king. You see that he is someone who rules in righteousness. He is someone who rules in the fear of God. What are the indicators of a good king? Someone who is righteous and reveres God. This is what we find with the king. When... They exhibit those qualities, find themselves reaching up into heaven, reaching up towards their creator. And as they reach up, everyone benefits because of their significant influence. Let's read this passage together as we see what it's like to have a ruler like David. Let's read together. The ruler is like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning. Like the brightness after the rain that brings wrath from the earth. That is the kind of king that David is was. And if I love the illustration there. Right? The brightness after the rain. You've experienced that, right? Haven't you? You know, we, we get that sometimes around here where the clouds set in and they don't leave for a week. And all of a sudden, you finally look out and you see that front moving through and you see that blue sky that you haven't seen and it seems like forever. So welcome, isn't it? That is the work of a righteous. King. And as rulers, There's a question that we have. The question is Are rulers, are these kings, are they going to build castles? Let me talk about that a little bit. Building castles, that is when the righteous make efforts to reach into heaven by exemplifying the character of God, they do what God wants. They live the life that God is pleased with. They build castles, reaching up into heaven, reaching up into the presence of God. While the unrighteous, they are people who dig dungeons. They are people whose destructive lives and choices pull people away from the light of the sun and they dig deeper and deeper into the earth. Their work becomes their own. They find themselves falling away in the presence of God, their Creator. As we think of this illustration of building castles into heaven or digging dungeons into the ground, question for you: You build castles. You dig dungeons. I want you to notice that every good thing you do, every godly thing that you exhibit in your life adds to that castle. And we live out the character of God in our life, even in the tiniest ways. Add the castle. Little pebble by little pebble. As we move, Towards the presence of our God as we move into the heaven that God desires for us. While every unrighteous thing we do, deeper and deeper, moves us farther and farther away. God who what I want you to know right now is that everything you do matters. Everything matters and everything you're doing in your life, you'd be building that castle. You know, when we come to our lives, we say, oh, I'm not making a difference. I'm just one person. I, I don't know that many people. My level of influence is pretty small. I want you to know that every act of love that you do, every act of kindness that you do, every smile that you give to another person, Every time you value another person, every time you show the love of God to another person—even maybe they don't recognize it and don't see it—we're building that. You are contributing this great structure that's reaching toward. Same way, all of our wrong actions, they, tiny or big, push us away from the world which God. I want to tell you a story of Otha Anders. Otha Anders lives in Louisiana. He spent 45 years collecting pennies. 45 years he set himself out to collecting copper pennies. And he viewed these pennies as a gift from God. And so he would see a penny somewhere and he'd pick it up. And when he picked it up, he said, thank you, God, for providing for me, for giving me this gift. So for him, these pennies were a way to give thanks. Well, does that a long time. And as he's doing that, people around him begin to know, this man likes pennies. So people start giving him pennies. And people say, oh, you got some pennies? We're going to save those for good old Otha. Well, in 2015, his collection of pennies finally came. It was time to cash out all that he had collected. And through those little bits of effort, one penny at a time, he had collected over a half million pennies. the amount that he collected, he was averaging about 31 pennies a day. Little bit by little bit. But of course, over that stretched out period of time, 31 pennies a day turned into a half million, which turned into over $5,000. Now, each of those pennies seems insignificant, doesn't it? add and you add and you add it turns into something a little more <laughs> substantial the same way in our lives and the good that we do add and we add and we add it doesn't seem to make a difference but when we all add together and then we all add for a long time it turns into something quite significant in the back of the room on our bookshare table. I have put a plate there and there's some pennies there. There's some pennies there. So if you want to collect you a penny on the way out, remembering this man who collected over a half million of these things, and remembering that the little contributions add up to a lot. You can take a penny. And I kind of laughed at myself when I went to look around my house for pennies because I, I'm trying to get rid of those things, right? I don't know about you, but they, they kind of annoy me, and I, I didn't have that many pennies. Um, so you, you, you've you got my whole life collection of pennies back there on that plate, and uh, I, I've got a little personal satisfaction that I'll have less pennies in my life. Question for us, though. Are we building castles for our we're going to look finally at this last bit. We're going to see this idea of an eternal covenant that is promised to King David. In verse five, David says, if my house were not right with God, surely he would not have made me with me an everlasting covenant. David, not a perfect person. Know some of his flaws. Over the course of his life, he built a spectacular castle. David's great kingdom is a foreshadowing of the eternal covenant that will take place between God and people. David's kingdom is a foreshadowing of the reuniting of heaven. We're going to move now to the book of Revelation. And when we come to the book of Revelation, some people hear about Revelation and they think that there are some great mysteries in there and there's secrets in there. And mostly it's a lot of confusing imagery is what is in the book of Revelation. Uh, there are some clear moments. We're going to look at some of those clear moments. Overall, what the book is telling us is that and what the book is telling us is that there is a time yet to come which Jesus will return and he will be the king over all. And evil will be eradicated and death will be no more. Jesus will establish a new heaven and a new earth. And Jesus invites us to come along with him. He co heirs in this kingdom like Jesus. Live eternally as the children of God. Revelation shows us. Today we're going to look just at the greeting. And in the, as we come to this and look at this, we want to begin to see this greetings from Revelations as a story of time. And so I've got the image up there on the screen that might be a little helpful for you. As you see time stretching back, and I, we talked about it earlier, where that time where heaven and earth we're together as one. And then that sin enters the world, separating the two. But so we look forward to a time where there is a new heaven and a new earth. Come to Revelation. We see fullness of this time. As you see, our God, righteous, before all things to the Our God's story is all of that. Our God is in control of all that time. I'm gonna read for us now out of the book of Revelation. And as I read, I'm going to stop for a few moments along the way to explain some things. And so I'll be reading and explaining. So I'm gonna be reading from Revelation chapter one, verse four. And so once again, what I'm reading from here is the very beginning of the book, and this is the greeting that opens this book of Revelation. Grace and peace to you from he who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne. Who's that? That's God. He who is, who was, and who is to come. And then we have this idea of the seven spirits, and that's part of the... Uh, unknown imagery sometimes that we see in the book of Revelation, so it's, it's unknown. The passage continues on. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. I that Jesus, the firstborn from the dead, the one who has defeated the grave, one who that barrier of sin that separated heaven and earth, Jesus was finally able to break through that barrier. And Jesus, the ruler of kings of the earth, him who loves us and who has freed us from our sins by his name. And he has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father him be glory and power forever and ever, amen. That being Jesus, he has made us. As I mentioned earlier, we are co-heirs with Jesus. We are like Jesus, the children of God. Through Jesus' work, we have the full rights and privilege of these children. We uh, are part of his kingdom. We are priests there to serve God. Then, continuing in verse seven. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierce him. And all people on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Is coming on the clouds. The quote, I mean to it out of the Old Testament. In fact, this um, section here is a quote out of Daniel chapter seven, Zechariah 12, which are both pointing to the of God. His return, coming on the clouds. And When he comes on the clouds and he returns physically with him to heaven and the new earth a new creation, a new time between God and God's people. As the passage continues, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come. Almighty." As we live now today, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. As we live today, you're living in the present. You're living in the here. Question for us is what do with the time we have. Let's not invest in dungeons. no longer needed. Rather, let's build castles for our returning. Let us build. One at a time. So that when our king returns, says, what have you been doing? Take that castle and say, we're waiting for you. We're getting ready for you. Look at the course of our life. That is our purpose. The reality is, may not make it till Jesus. A lot of generations have gone before us, didn't make it till Jesus. As we add our pennies to that castle, come a moment, our work on this place is done. There will be those who come behind, join with the saints before us and the saints after us. Building castles for our God. One penny. As we end today, this beautiful passage of the book, um, out of our reading today, the book of Revelation, where I said sometimes it can be hard to understand. There is also beautiful literature and beautiful expressions of who God is. Let us read this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, who is to come, the Almighty. Amen. Our God is, beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, one who was, who is to come, all. Let's take a moment and quietly reflect upon this morning's message. Allow God to speak to you wherever you might be in your own.